Hello and welcome to This is Good for My Therapy. Today we'll be talking about Dr. Stephen Greer and the Disclosure Project. Sarah and Sylvie will be joining us shortly. On that note, are you guys ready to talk about the Disclosure Project? I am. am. (laughs) Yay! Excellent. That almost started planned. It it wasn't. No, was it? I don't know. Did we make plans? I don't. I can't be trusted for that. It, we didn't actually make them, but you know how our brains kind of talk to each other. Maybe mm-hmm. it just happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so naturally, it's, it's natural. It was a natural occurrence. That's right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so I, on that note, I like to think I'm a pretty good judge of character. I mean, I I know I can be fooled. Don't get me wrong, because you know history has (laughs) exactly (laughs) so I know it's not perfect but I'd like to think that I've learned and from my past experiences they have shaped me into a better judge of character right like you guys know me yeah yeah you're pretty you're pretty pretty, pretty, pretty solid yes Thanks. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're, like, you're like, that wasn't quite the emphatic response I wanted, but. Uh... <laughs> but you know what? It was a response, so I'll take it. <laughs> so, you, my questionable past human judgment has led me to this newfound human judgment. And based on my research, guys, just like Bob Lazar, I think this guy, Stephen Greer, is just a really genuine dude. And he's hella smart. Like, he was an ER doctor smart. But he gave it all up for what we're going to talk about today. The Disclosure Project. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Oh, yeah, wait, it's alien noise time. (laughs) That's right, that is. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you. (laughs) So what is the Disclosure Project, you might ask? Well. (laughs) Excellent. I would describe it as Stephen Greer's passion project, a culmination of eight years of dedicated work starting in 1993 and coming to a head at a press conference in Washington, D.C. in 2001. But let's go back and meet Dr. Greer. Who the heck is he and why should we trust him? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Who are you, you weirdo? I want to know, sir. I, me too. He was born on June 28th in 1955 in Charlotte, North Carolina. And let me be the first person to send early birthday wishes. <laughs> Happy birthday. <Nerd>. Yes, I <laughs> can't help it. He's like, anyway, <clears throat> North Carolina is on the East Coast. Shockingly, yeah. right Not above South middle. Carolina. No, no, it is on the East Coast and right above South Carolina. What? And then... I know. Shocking. I've learned so much already. (laughs) Meet geography, everything. It's great. (laughs) So he did his uh, Bachelor of Science in Biology at a local state university, and he graduated in 1982. Hmm. Then he went to complete his uh, MD in Tennessee, and uh, he graduated in 1987. And then he moved back to North Carolina in 1988 to intern, receiving his medical license in 1989 at 34 years old. So he just like went to high school, uh, went directly to university, went on to get his MD, interned, got his medical license and started working as an ER physician at Caldwell Memorial Hospital, still in North Carolina, where he was also on the board 
as chairman. So <laughs> I don't know Bit about a you go-getter. guys, right? But I think a person who can become an ER doctor has got to be pretty smart. Like Nicole, you're a nurse. Yeah. How is getting how is getting your degree? What was it like for you? Oh, it was pretty difficult. <laughs> right? It's <laughs> tough. So and that was like when did you go to school? Uh let's see, I graduated in 2008 well... for nursing. So because it's been 13 years this year. Congratulations. So yeah, and Sylvie, you became an optician. And so how yeah. is that for you? Yeah. Is pretty easy. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, well, I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. They like, they give you a list of the the formulas, and they're like, apply these. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. And then, okay. Like, and then there was like a brief moment where they're like, remember that math from high school? You didn't think you'd need to know again. <laughs> Surprise! Sucker, Guess what, bitches? And then you remember it, and they're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> we're never actually going to ask you to use it but now, we just had to make sure a, you know now take a big test where you use it and then start your work and realize like and here's 20 different websites that'll do it for you you don't need to remember that <laughs> yeah exactly and, like, and then like sprinkled in some random haunting images of eye diseases that you'll never unsee that you don't ever need to see <laughs> like like, they were like you want to know what this is and you go no and they're like too bad it's in the textbook have fun still being, horrified. Anyway. being a doctor you have to you have to memorize like not just anatomy and physiology but medications and like yeah, I, I have a lot of respect lot. for doctors they have a lot of knowledge Absolutely. So I was going to say, I have the same diploma as Sylvie in optical sciences. And I too found that program uh, relatively easy. But then I also went back and I got an advanced certificate in forensic science because that time I thought you should go back to school to learn something that you love because then you'll never work a day in your life. And it turns out that's because there are no jobs. But anyway, I just yeah. remember just how <laughs> I just. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember that it was very difficult and I actually did learn foundational skills that helped me to this day and like Nicole said he went through way more school with way crazier conditions and just an astonishing amount of memorization and I bow down a little like just somebody who can actually do all of this get their medical license and practice medicine in an ER that's just like wow a little to me. But anyway, so I'm just saying he's a smart dude. <laughs> yeah. And I should also mention that he is a member of the Alpha Omega Alpha Honor Medical Society, which is an organization that tries to foster the scientific and philosophical features of the medical procession, profession. Sorry, Their motto is, be worthy to serve the suffering. I looked it up Ooh. and they select members who demonstrate the characteristics that they consider of excellent physicians, which are trustworthiness, character, caring, knowledge, scholarship, leadership, empathy, altruism, and compassion. So you don't just have to take my word for it. Like my interpretation of Dr. Greer, he's a pretty stand-up guy. But so does this Honor Medical Society think that he is a pretty stand-up guy. Um, but also, he doesn't have what I would consider like the typical doctor physique. Just... 
just so you know. Saying that, though, ER doctors, in my opinion, tend to be a little bit more fit. Or perhaps that's just my memory from my experience going to the ER and being treated by the fittest doctor I have seen ever. Mm-hmm. Also the TV show ER. Yeah, right? yeah I would like, say that too. ER doctors, they just seem to be a little bit more buff. And he does not disappoint. It's alarming for 65. It's He's fit. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that time sylvie that we were really into the food network there's oh, that yeah. sh- there's that chef and he was wearing like a t-shirt once and we're like um did you know he was right what, what was that and he was like you wouldn't because he, he was when he didn't wear a t-shirt you're like oh that's like a little like British. Clumpy. He was British. Yeah, he was like the and he had the tiny glasses. Yes. And you're yes, like, yes. Oh yeah. Yeah, he just looked like a kind of doughy little chef. And then he was doing something one day and he's like, It's hot and had a t-shirt on. We were like, the fuck? Exactly. <laughs> that is him. Exactly. And he even has the same fucking glasses. I'm not kidding. Simple, ah. sometimes semi-rimless, but very silver, very oval. Just, you know, like, yep, same guy. They're the same person. <laughs> oh, it's the same. So he's a doctor. He was working in the ER from uh, 1989, right? Mm. And then all of a sudden, in 1998, he gives it all up. He quits his job. And he starts focusing on the disclosure project. Well, why would he do this? What is this disclosure for? Well, it turns out the disclosure project is a research project whose goal is to disclose to the public the government's alleged knowledge of UFOs, extraterrestrial intelligence, and advanced energy and propulsion systems. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, seems Dr. Greer saw a UFO at eight years old. And ever since then, he's kind of been fucking hooked on the idea of them because in his <laughs> mind, they for sure exist. Like he has seen them. He's experienced them in his mind. There for sure is other intelligent life out there originating from other solar systems in other galaxies. And they most definitely have visited Earth since he was eight years old. This was true for him. But in 1993, it really took hold. He started a concentrated effort to try and identify firsthand military and government witnesses to UFO events and projects. So basically, he wanted to find the evidence that could be used in public disclosure. You know, the evidence that we talked about, that one shining beacon of, yes, for sure, this is it. This is the proof. And yeah. like what did you guys think would be enough? Like for you, Sylvie, what would be the shining beacon? Mm. Mm, I didn't know there was going to be a pop quiz. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to encourage more okay. communication. Okay. Communication. Humans and their communication. Um, do you mean like beyond a shadow of a doubt, there is no question possible this is a thing or do you mean yes. something that I would find compelling and you know I would find compelling and believe well actually both do both okay a hundred percent I have no questions in my mind there's no doubt I think I would actually be I physically have seen it sort of thing like, yep. I've seen it. I weather that in my own 
I was walking down a disc dropped out of the sky and was like, I'm here, guess what? <laughs> Surprise! Or, or like actual evidence that was presented by someone else. Like either way, physically seeing it with my own eyes would make me believe it a hundred percent without a doubt. Now, in terms of what makes me more prone to believe, maybe I wouldn't stake my mom's life on it. <laughs> but yeah. I'm pretty solid that it exists. It, and we kind of talked about this before. It was like a combination. I want to know, like, enough, I guess, enough third party um, evidence, like third party. Oh my God, why can't I think of words? <laughs> because you went for a lot of walks over this weekend. Give your brain There's a chance. so much walking. Oh, my brain is in my legs. But you like, don't have to know all the words all at one time. So just, it's, it's no, fine. <laughs> I can know them sometimes part of the time. No, yeah. so for me, it'd be like, yeah, either physically seeing it for myself, something that would give me a pretty solid, like, I believe this. I wouldn't, you know, stick but I believe it quite strongly is when you have a group of third party accounts yep. that line up yep. and that lines up with a certain amount of um, non story based evidence, actual physical evidence. Like, yeah, yeah. Some sort of actual physical evidence, whether or not that evidence can be interpreted as aliens or something else. I am willing to be like, oh, I believe it's aliens when paired with, you know, other, other, other kind of corroborating stories. I mean, I guess. maybe experts. You would say, like, if an yeah. expert was to testify that you know this, well, a group of them. Yeah, and it's it's like what we had when we had that conversation about um, Lazar. Yeah. That whole thing where I was like, yeah, there's definitely other things that it could be that he saw, but yeah. his credibility and other on the same time in the same location make it pretty compelling to me to believe that what he says is what he says, you know? Absolutely. And Nicole, <laughs> what about you? What would be enough for you? Like to truly believe or even just to like really spark that, you know, probably. See, and for me uh, to spark that, you know, probably, I mean, we've already have a lot of evidence. There's been video evidence over the years. There's been multiple eyewitness evidence, um, things that have kind of lined up. Yeah. So for me, like, I think it's definite probability kind of in the same vein as Sylvie. Like, I wouldn't stake my life on it, but I do feel that there is something going on just because we do have video evidence. There's been physical evidence that's been found. Like, there was the cattle mutilations we were talking about um, with Skinwalker Ranch. Yep. Um, there's been um, multiple witness accounts. And I mean you can't have um, so many people saying experiencing a lot of the same things in different areas, like, and have that be a complete coincidence to me. Yeah. And, and then for you, so you're already pretty okay with the idea, but like to be fully convinced you would just like Sylvie have to see it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, totally fair. 
Like, if an alien came back and was like, yo, sup, I'd be like, okay, you definitely exist. <laughs> I, I'm a believer. I see you. Hello, sir. Good day. Please don't kill me. I don't know. <laughs> right? So, um, he, Stephen Greer, really wants to find that evidence. The, the stuff that makes people stop and think and go well maybe because for so long you know it's not even been a possibility you talk about it and you get laughed at and people are like okay little green man but he spent the early years while he was still working in the er just gathering testimony documents videos anything he could get his hands on and i think he thought he had enough at least to like present it to some important people and get them curious so that maybe they could move forward with it because he also has a very uh, strong set of beliefs. So he started briefing government officials, some people from the Clinton administration, their CIA director, and some Pentagon officials, and nothing happened. And then in 1997, more than a dozen of his witnesses assembled in Washington for briefings with Congress and Pentagon officials, and still nothing happened. So then in 1998, that's when he decided disclosure wasn't going to happen. He was just going to have to prove it to the people himself. Kind of like, well, if you guys aren't going to tell them, I guess I will. Which it seems, you guys, is kind of an uphill battle financially, just so you know. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So in 1998. Not very financially lucrative trying to do this on his own. (laughs) No. (laughs) He uh, initially hoped to raise enough money to videotape, edit, and organize over 100 interviews with military and government witnesses professionally. But he only managed to raise about 5% of his target, so he did all the work himself from traveling around the world to video record the eyewitness testimony to editing the raw footage and even transcribing the testimony into readable form. He admits none of it is his forte, which I can only imagine the frustration because editing software for me isn't easy or, I mean, it just wasn't. Uh, I'm comparing it to the software for editing the music from my keyboard, which I tried to use one time in 2012 and I couldn't figure it out. And I closed the laptop and was like, no, no, that's not for me. And then I've been downloaded it again this year. And he was like, no, Sarah, we can for sure figure it out together. We opened the program two times. Both times was like, fuck no. And uh, haven't opened no. it again. Yes, 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 yes. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> This guy, this ER doctor, managed to capture 120 hours of raw digital video footage, which he was somehow able to reduce to 33 hours of select testimony, and then further reduced it to 18 hours of super select testimony. So for reference, the 33 hours of testimony produced 1,200 pages of transcript that he transcribed. Uh Uh-huh. Uh All of the witnesses would like to be subpoenaed to testify under oath to what they have experienced and described. They want the opportunity to testify at a congressional hearing to show and go on record and show everybody their proof. They want to be able to um, tell their story and say that this is real. For some of them, they did see flying objects completing maneuvers beyond any technology currently available on this planet. And you don't have to believe that they possibly know everything about all the technology that everybody possibly possesses on the planet. But I just consider that when we, as humans, 
are still using jet propulsion to leave the Earth's atmosphere today. I mean, you think Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk don't have access to all of the technology currently available on this whole planet. Like they they're sent to billionaires. They have scientists that are the absolute best of the best. And they are still using rocket ships like, okay, boys. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Just a little aside, like a little thought that I have as you're talking and you're talking about the eyewitness testimonies. Like when talking about UFOs, um, like alien technology, you stumble on the same problem that I feel like you come across a lot when people are talking about paranormal in that credible, believable eyewitness tests do get muddled and mixed in with some cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, you know? Absolutely. And totally. So all that does is like really highlight the dedication to go through <laughs> a that sheer like the number of testimonies for people because there are there are some that you listen to and i you know you nicole you know this because yeah. you also like the ghost stories and sarah you also like the ghost stories you hear some of you go it's bullshit yeah <laughs> like, exactly you're like, sorry no. it's just bullshit you're you're lying or you're crazy yes. and then I find that, like, you know, you comb- for me, like, combing through, like, paranormal stuff, being like, ooh, spooky. I like spooky. You get one truly, oh, freaky. I don't like that. To, like, every 40. Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like the cringe stories in Cosmopolitan. You remember those? Or, like, teen oh, yeah. when yeah. you're growing up. Some of them, you're like, oh, yeah, that one really happened to a person. And then the other 10 on that page, you're like, that's made up. That's, that's made, made up. up and like again I guess that also comes down to like I mean and that's I guess that's the like the thing with any kind of eyewitness testimony is how do you actually determine aside from your own gut feeling <laughs> right if you think, like if you think they're telling the truth or not and I think some people are more prone to be like yeah like that's that's in the realm of possibility I can believe it and Sometimes you're not because I go, I, I experience both of those where you hear a story and you're like, nah, bullshit. Like, I'm sorry, Nicole, to bring this up, but the fucking portals with the demons and the aliens and the skinwalkers at that skinwalker ranch to me, a rep like mounted to a, ah, uh, nope, I'm not called bullshit. <laughs> no, I know, I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm not the one that lived there and it's not my story, so. <laughs> Why are you putting this on me? I have nothing to do with that. Nicole's like, I haven't seen a portal. I did not claim to see a portal. I just said there were reports of a portal. Yeah, I hear that whole story and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Bullshit. (laughs) Totally. And it's just that's too far for you. And there are other people that would hear that and be like, well, maybe. I don't know. Right? It could be. it's, It's hard to determine how much yeah, so again, the the dedication to sit there and comb through witness testimonies to be like, no, this is a this is a crazy thing. Right? Yeah. Because and you know what I would like to point out is that I think you can trust Dr. Greer to do that. Like to mm-hmm. go to these people and talk to them and be like, 
Okay, Joanne. Yep. You're, oh. You saw an alien, right? Fucking Joanne. Well, when you think about it, too, I mean, he, he was probably using skills he got as an ER doctor because you have to take history really quickly. And and in medicine, you kind of have to figure out when people are bullshitting or not telling the whole truth. Absolutely. For sure. He would have learned skills to deal with these people and put them to the test already. So he's going to be more proficient at them than somebody who just has like theoretical knowledge even too, which is awesome that he's doing it. And that's great because he gets a lot of testimony. He has, like we said, 120 hours just from this first excursion where he only raised 5% of the funds that he needed. (laughs) Poor guy. Oh, man. And also... 400 people like who are these 100 people that would even risk the ridicule associated and these aren't just regular people these are military officials highly trained decorated service people who were even (laughs) at some point um some of them were trusted to carry nuclear devices they all truly believe what they saw what they witnessed was so life-changing it needs to be shared yeah These people have endured years of gaslighting. Their statements have been changed. They've endured death threats. Some have lost their jobs. Many have lost respect. And for what? Because for most people, the question of whether we're alone in the universe is more philosophical. Something of academic interest, sure. Something to joke about, of course, but not important. Even presented with evidence that we are being visited by non-human life forms seems to many an irrelevancy in our world with the crushing poverty, gun violence, global warming, and all of the other horrible things we're currently facing in society. And we keep... To deal with. Right? Like, we keep joking the past was bad, and for sure it was worse in so many ways. But um, we kind of seem to be circling the same drains for some things as humans, just like... Over and over again. (laughs) Anyways, in the face of all of the terrible things currently going on in the world right now, the question of UFOs, extraterrestrial life, and secret government projects is a sideshow, right? Like a distraction. Well, wrong and very wrong, actually, according to the Disclosure Project and the testimony they have. The Disclosure Project claims a lot of things. First, that the Earth has been visited by advanced extraterrestrial civilizations since at least the 1930s. And that's because that's the first evidence they have that has been like on radar was from the 1930s. This is the most classified compartmented program within the United States and many other countries because he has testimony from all over the world, remember? Mm -hmm. That the projects associated with the programs within the U.S., the U.K., and other countries has been going on without legal oversight and control since the 1960s. But probably, and most importantly in my mind, that the classified and above-top-secret projects possess fully operational anti-gravity propulsion devices and new energy generation systems that, if declassified and put to peaceful uses, would empower a new era of human civilization, one without want, poverty, or environmental damage. Ooh. I know. Like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. First of all, you're going to tell me that we're being just visited. Okay, I can get behind that. Yep, right. I can get behind that you've got a craft. Sure, I'm there. I'm with you. Like, 
I, I even am there when Bob Lazar tells me how it works because he explains it and I'm like, that makes sense. <laughs> like, I get it. <laughs> it just, it like blobs the gravity down. Yeah, totally. I get it. I'm there. <clears throat> but when you tell me that there are scientists who can apparently prove in open congressional hearings that we possess classified energy generation systems, it kind of blows my mind a little and makes me go, Really? <laughs> uh, okay. But <clears throat> consider a technology which enables energy generation from the so-called zero point field and which would enable every home, business, factory, and vehicle to have its own source of power without an external fuel source ever. Ever. They claim these devices access the ambient electromagnetic and so-called zero-point energy state to produce vast amounts of energy without any pollution. This has been theorized by Tesla, but he was unable to actually figure it out. These systems work by tapping into the ever-present quantum vacuum energy state, the baseline energy from which all energy and matter is fluxing to generate huge amounts of energy from space-time all around us. They are not perpetual motion machines, nor do they violate any laws of thermodynamics. They merely tap into the ambient energy field all around us to generate energy through unique electromagnetic circuits and configurations. This means that such systems do not require fuel to burn or atoms to split or fuse. They do not require central power plants, transmission lines, and related infrastructure. The systems are site-specific, meaning they can be set up anywhere at any time to generate needed energy. Basically, the result of this technology would be the elimination of oil, coal, and gas as sources of energy generation. Dr. Greer and his project assert that the subject is so highly classified, not because it's so silly or irrelevant, but because actually the implications are so profound and far-reaching. Once abundant and nearly free energy is available for agriculture, transportation, construction, manufacturing, there is no limit to what humanity can achieve. The general consensus from the deep insiders Dr. Greer interviewed is that this subject is so secret because the disclosure of the technologies would literally cause the greatest known change in human history, kind of like the next industrial revolution. At first, in the early days, in the 30s and 40s, it was all kept secret because they literally didn't know the fuck was going on. They were like, oh my god. <laughs> they worried it was a different country with more advanced technology and they would be like, uh, how are we going to explain this? And then when they figured out it was extraterrestrial, they worried even more how the public would react. Maybe because of the public reaction to that radio broadcasting of Orson Welles' War of the Worlds in 1938, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> and so, like, that was even before that. And so maybe it was also just because of, of the time. Like, they had just gone through a world war. It was, you know, they'd just gone through the Great Depression. And then it was during the 50s that more of an effort was made to figure out the science of the objects they had through reverse engineering. And as more progress was made understanding the science, it seems the programs became increasingly unacknowledged because the physics and energy systems, if disclosed, would forever alter life on Earth. 
Maybe because oil was plentiful, nobody worried too much about pollution, global warming wasn't a thing, and what was thought to be needed was stability after the ending of the Second World War. It was like, okay, well, we know that this is possible, but it's not the right time to say anything because, holy shit, what the fuck just happened? Let's just, like, calm down for a bit. So then, in January 1961... After becoming frustrated trying to get information and with these projects becoming increasingly compartmented away from legal constitutional chain of command oversight and control, President Eisenhower tried to warn the American people during his farewell speech. It's a pretty powerful speech. I would encourage a reading or a watch. I think it's on YouTube. But <clears throat> he says, and I quote, because it's, it's pretty interesting. I didn't know much about the military creation, and I still really don't know much about the military-industrial complex, but the conjunction of an immense military establishment and a large arms industry is new in the American experience. The total influence, economic, political, even spiritual, is felt in every city, every state, every office of the federal government. We recognize the imperative need for this development Yet we must not fail to comprehend its grave implications. Our toil, resources, and livelihood are all involved. So is the very structure of our society. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwanted influence, oh, unwarranted influence, sorry, whether sought or unsought by the military-industrial complex. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. We must never let the weight of this combination endanger our liberties or democratic processes. We should take nothing for granted. Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together. So I didn't know that up until like the 1950s, up until after the Second World War, America, they hadn't really had arms, armament manufacturing as like an industry. But after that, after the Second World War, they started building that as a, you know, business, as an industry. And that it kind of took off from there. The military industrial complex is kind of bananas. But anyway, apparently, since then, the fear of public reaction has been negligible to actual disclosure of extraterrestrial content contact. As time has gone on, we have become increasingly comfortable with the idea of space travel and the idea that we might not be alone in the universe. So it wouldn't come as much of a shocker to the majority of people. Like if tomorrow some evidence like I could prove to you or something (laughs) that it was real. (laughs) Or an alien just shows up and is like, sup, y'all. Yeah. Would you be surprised? (laughs) Like, Especially during the last few years in particular. Exactly. So the reasoning of fear, panic, shock, and the like don't seem to justify the level of secrecy so deep that even the president and his CIA director could be denied access to the information. But this has been true of many past presidents. Kennedy, Carter, Clinton, even Obama. They were all briefed on unidentified aerial phenomena, as Hillary Clinton famously updated the populace on the new term for the UFO. I I don't know if you saw it on Late Night with Jimmy Kimmel. He was asking her something and she said, unidentified aerial phenomena, Jimmy. And up until then, it hadn't even been acknowledged that it was being investigated. But anyway, they were still left in the dark or we're still left in the dark. It was, we just don't need to know. 
Apparently, according to the Disclosure Project, the entity which controls the UFO matter and its related technologies has more power than any single government in the world or any single world leader. Initially, the topic was kept secret to maintain stability after the World War, and slowly the newly created and increasingly powerful military-industrial complex usurped control of all related projects. So, say tomorrow that proof that made you believe in all of this came out, like the alien, this is like, sup, y'all. <clears throat> and you, you learned for sure that since the 1950s, we've had access to this technology that we've basically allowed the degradation of the entire Earth's ecosystem. We've caused the irretrievable loss of thousands of species of plants and animals and even done damage to our own bodies because an honest and open release of this information hadn't occurred earlier. How would you feel? It's a little different now. (laughs) So pissed. So very pissed. Pretty crazy. And remember, this isn't me telling you these things. I maintain I don't know shit about fuck, you guys. This is all from the Disclosure (laughs) Project. (laughs) This is from the years of research and complete dedication by Dr. Greer. He says he worked seven days a week, 18 hours a day between August 2000 and April 2001. Joking. He used to think the ER was tough. He gathered the mountains of eyewitness testimony. Like you said, Sylvie, he must have gone through a lot of it. He's worked tirelessly to get this message out. He quit his job. He's dedicated his life to this because he feels so strongly that not only is it true, it could completely alter life on Earth. And I kind of believe him, but I don't know if it's just because I love the idea because it's so hopeful. (laughs) or maybe because i tend to believe that it is extremely unlikely that we are alone in the universe like you said it is very altruistic like star trek almost uh i would like to say nicole you said that it's unlikely but i have the statistics statistically speaking the odds that we are alone even in our own milky way galaxy are one in 60 billion that's the odd that we are alone. So it is much, 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 much more likely that we are not. <laughs> yeah. And that's only within one galaxy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I have long just said, given how large we know, like how large we know the galaxy is, it's fucking gigantic. <laughs> and how big the universe is. It's pretty, uh, pretty self-involved for humans to think that they are the only ones. <laughs> no, I, I agree. Like, I that, like, that is an independent thought outside of any research or evidence that may or may not exist. That is just a general thought on my part, where it's just like, it feels pretty ridiculous knowing how big fast and unexplored yeah <laughs> it is absolutely we think we are the only things out there i mean heck we don't but even now. know absolutely everything about the earth yeah <laughs> we-, <laughs> we routinely discover things on earth and they're like the fuck is that <laughs> the, the fuck that's yeah. true yeah Every time, every time someone goes down into the Marianas Trench, they're like, oh, we found a new terrifying monster, guys. They found uh, the electrons. I can't remember. It's a new, it's like a neutrino. 
something like that. It's a new part of a cell that we didn't even know existed. Not a cell, like an atom. I, I'm not good at the chemistry. This is why I'm not doing bad. <laughs> they, found, they found something new that we couldn't see before on Earth. And they're like, oh, cool. This explains a lot of different stuff. What's this? All the time. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, I didn't get into the evidence that they have because it is also very, very, very in-depth. And I thought introducing him to you and just saying, like, the base of why they consider it a secret. And, well, because that's his experience, right? That's what he's come across as he goes out there to try to tell his story. He's spoken to these military people. And I can get into he has an entire section in the Disclosure Project about testimony that explains the secrecy so they talk about why it's secret but then they also have radar and pilot cases which i think you guys would be really interested in because this uh, the area of testimony deals specifically with pilot encounters radar cases and related uh, related cases so it should be pointed out that for decades people who have been skeptical of the ufo subject have asserted that if these objects were real they would have been tracked on radar right like it's always yeah. like why why don't you have it on radar you have to have it on radar well we have no fewer than 20 witnesses from the air force the marines the navy the army and civilian authorities in the united states and abroad who are qualified air traffic controllers and pilots who have seen and tracked these objects on radar. Please note that these people state emphatically that these objects have not been weather balloons. They have not been air inversions. They have not been swamp gas. They have been structured craft, often traveling at thousands of miles per hour, then suddenly stopping, hovering, or moving in a non-linear fashion. These objects have been tracked going from one spot to hundreds of miles away or further with one radar sweep. These are solid objects, they're metallic, and they, are, they give strong and unambiguous radar returns. And this is not a situation anymore where you just have one or two witnesses, and you must consider very seriously. They have more than a dozen witnesses on tape testifying that these objects have been tracked on radar, and at times as many as a dozen different radars were tracking the same object at the same time, which means that they're dealing with an actual, real, physical craft not something that's imaginary not something that's like oh you hallucinated it and not just a glitch in the radar so if you want we can talk about those things because they also have other <clears throat> uh, uh what's it called evidence as well but it, it was a lot <laughs> i can imagine yeah it's it's a lot i don't know how he did it it's pretty impressive <laughs> i'm down I think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. And it's the thing, too. It's like, there's not even any deniability that those things that people are seeing and that it exists because now the powers that be that have kept it quiet for so long have admitted to it. Right? They're not saying, oh, it's aliens for sure, guys. But they have come out with, like, things being like, yep, no. We have seen and experienced an unidentified aerial phenomenon. Yep. Like, you know, so it's not even a question of whether or not it's real yeah. to me at this point. It's a question of what is it? 
Absolutely. And then why don't they tell us everything that they have? And it's so secret because, and it sounds, it's crazy. Like, could the government really keep a secret this big? That's always the question. That's always what people think. But we know for sure that it's happening. They have videos and now they're for sure saying it. So it's like, what else do they know? Is it possible? Is the disclosure project real? Do they have zero point energy where you could have complete zero waste energy? Well, and then the question is, do they actually have it to the point where they can produce it or do they have access to it? Yeah, like Bob Lazar, he was able to uh, do the gravity manipulation like with the craft, but they don't have an, the el- the right element to mass produce it for everybody, right? Yeah. It's like we still don't understand it. <laughs> and then it also comes down to as well, if, if like for the sake of argument right now, let's just say the government does know everything. It's happened a hundred percent. They have it. The other question is, it's like, it's not a single government that could hold on to that um anyway but yeah it's not like a single government and then the cynical part of me jumps up and goes like if if 100 percent, this is all true no questions it's happening there's also the question is like to what mm, how can i say this without sounding like just a total naysayer cynical asshole what what is it in like what do these governments get out of it to tell anyone what do they get oh they would lose everything exactly you'd have a population who was enraged you'd have multi-billion dollar corporations crumbling and the possibility that people could use this technology for weapons because he, does, he specifically says that working in the ER, he knows that human beings have the capacity to use anything as a weapon. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. And that's the thing. And then so then you get this thing. So what is it like if it is a single government or multiple? Go- I'm sorry, you cut out there. <laughs> the government took her out. <laughs> you know some government like some group somewhere is going to use it for their own game because unfortunately we are still in a state of our development where we want to have power over each other what could be possibly be the implications or the benefits to the government for them them to come out and say it uh it's almost like every once in a while they gotta throw us a fucking bone yeah because people are talking and like things that are credible start coming out and they're like given the choice of well we can admit that we have seen these objects that we have physical evidence of these existing yeah and that we acknowledge it and decades later we'll come out and say like here you go guys here's a little book Again, I will say the whole Pentagon release, like in the like in 2020, was more like a really this shit. Yeah, like, like 
now's the time they're like they're so distracted yeah we have we yeah ufos are real guys we don't know what these are we we don't know where they come from we have no idea how they're doing this magic Magic. Magic. Then, like, they, re- they release it at the perfect time for like 99% of the population to go like oh fuck off yeah like, aliens are real and they don't want us to know because they don't want to do it because if they did it they'd lose millions and millions like whole industries would collapse yes yeah, yeah. some of the there- biggest there's also, yeah. um, I was talking to Sarah about this, I'm like, but there's also like a little bit of a Cold War aspect to it, too, where you have governments that are competing against each other, and they don't know what the other one knows, so they don't want to release yeah. it just in case. Yeah. What do they know? What do they know? And then there's probably also that question of how long have they known? Have they known this all? Blah, 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 blah. Like, how far yeah. along are they in their research? Can they reverse engineer? Like, what? how many have they built and stuff, right? Like, mm-hmm. who knows? Yeah. Um, yeah. There is some evidence that I would find very interesting to talk to you guys about, which is, like, it, it is on radar and stuff, but it, it happens to be um, when nuclear missiles simultaneously become not non-operational at two different launch facilities. <laughs> Immediately after guard sea UFOs. And apparently it's extremely rare for even one of these missiles to go offline, to go non-operational. And 16 of them. Yeah. So, I mean, there are some really cool uh, testimonies that he has. And it would be neat to go into them. But I didn't have a chance to go too deep into them Uh up Uh until this point. But maybe uh, the next one I do can be about the evidence that I they have. <laughs> yeah, I think that would let's, be a lovely idea. Yes, let's keep it going as like a a series. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah pops back up with like a new fun fact. And with that, we end our discussion on Dr. Stephen Greer and the Disclosure Project. Part one. Hmm? Um, next week will be the uh, Becker family haunting. And we hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs>